I heard a quote recently that I thought was really good. Certainly, uh, I think it, it hits home. It said, smart people learn from their mistakes. Smarter people learn from the mistakes of others. I thought that was pretty well said. We've all made mistakes, and uh, hopefully we learn from the mistakes we made. But we don't have to make every mistake that's in the book. We don't have to go out there and make all the mistakes that everybody else has made. If we can learn from the mistakes of others, we can save ourselves a lot of grief. I think that's a pretty good expression. Uh, If we're smart enough, then we'll observe the mistakes that others make and we'll learn from those things and we will try to avoid them. Our lesson today is sort of based upon that notion. The person that we want to talk about made some bad mistakes. In fact, he committed some sins. He's a famous Bible character. The individual that we want to talk about this morning for a few minutes is the Apostle Peter. And Peter made some really grievous errors. Uh, You know, of course, very well the dramatic story of his failure when he denied the Lord Jesus. The fact of the matter is that Jesus had actually predicted that Peter was going to do that. Remember in Luke chapter 22, beginning verse 31... The Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as sweet. But I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. And he said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with thee both into prison and into death. And he said, I tell thee, Peter, the cock shall not crow this day before thou shalt thrice deny that thou knowest me. Again, I think we're very familiar with that episode when Jesus accurately predicted that Peter was going to deny him. And, of course, it happened exactly as Jesus said that it would. But we want to note here that Jesus said that when he had fallen in that fashion, and that when he came back, when he, when he recovered from that terrible mistake that he made, he told him that he should strengthen thy brethren. Uh, so he's based, Jesus was basically telling Peter about a huge mistake he was about to make, grievous error, sin. But he said, when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. I believe that Peter did that. And today we want to look at one of the epistles that Peter wrote in our New Testament. We want to look at the book of First Peter for several statements that are in that book. I believe that you could almost imagine the book of First Peter as sort of Peter's essay on mistakes that I've made that you can learn from. And we want to look at that this morning. And our question to all of us is, are we smart enough to learn from Peter's mistake and not have to repeat those same mistakes ourselves? And so that will be our lesson for a few minutes this morning. Strengthen thy brethren. Peter was told, strengthen thy brethren. We stop here just briefly to say thank you for being here on this Lord's Day morning. It's a great privilege. It's a great blessing and an opportunity when we come together to be able to encourage one another, but more importantly, to glorify God. And we're glad that you're here this morning to be a part of that. We have visitors today. We're grateful for our visitors. We want you to come back whenever you can. If you have any questions, of course, ask them and we'll try to give a Bible answer for what we're doing here at College View and why we're doing it the way we do. Uh, And so if you have questions, please ask them. We're glad you're here. Please come again whenever you can. So Peter was told, strengthen thy brethren. And I think that he devoted his life to doing that. 
And in 1 Peter, the, the epistle of 1 Peter, he made several statements uh, that, this, that I think you can relate to his own experiences. For instance, Peter taught that you can be sure your faith will be tested. In chapter 1, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6, he says, Now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found into praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Peter certainly knew about having your faith tested or put on trial. Uh, his trial, of course, the trial of his faith is recorded for all time. And, and you might think that it's in a way sort of sad that one of the parts of Peter's lasting legacy is that very vocal denial that he made of Jesus. That's recorded for all time. Uh, we read about it, we study about it, we know. And when, when the name Peter comes to mind, I imagine that you are like me and you think of lots of things that happened in, in his case. But one of the things certainly that comes to mind is how he so vocally denied Jesus. But just like Peter's faith was put on trial, yours and mine will be put on trial too. Don't imagine that you can go through life uh, without being tested. You will be tested. And it might be at school. It might be at work, someplace with your neighbors or in our community. Uh, some, sometimes wherever we might be, we find out that our faith is put on, uh, on trial. We should expect it to be so, and we should be ready for that. James wrote about this as well in James chapter 1, beginning verse 2. He said, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing." I think here in the statement that James makes about your faith being tested, he implies that the trials of your, the testing of your faith can go either way. Uh, the testing of your faith might wreck your faith, but notice he says, let steadfastness have its full effect. In other words, it, it, how, how you react to the trials that you're placed upon, under uh, is, is really uh, up to you. It, you can have your faith wrecked and ruined, or you can have it perfected and made complete. In the case of Peter, he failed in that moment, but he bounced back from that. And the question that we have this morning is, are we smart enough to learn from Peter and allow our trials to refine us and help us become more and more the people that God wants us to be? But be absolutely certain of this fact that your faith will be tested. Peter knew that from experience. Most of us already know that from experience. It's happened already in our lives, and it's going to continue to happen as long as we're in this present world. Your faith will be tested. Expect it. Be ready for it. And allow it to perfect your faith rather than ruin your faith. Peter also understood the idea that a person has to grow unto salvation. Again, I want you to think about Peter's case because he, he's the one that, that we're learning from, right? In Peter's case, he feared for his life, didn't he? When Jesus was on trial and when people began to try to identify Peter as one of Jesus' disciples, 
he, he was scared. He feared for his life, and that led to the denial. So uh, Peter had a very weak faith at that point in time. But don't forget that history tells us, the Bible doesn't tell us so exactly, but history tells us that Peter almost certainly died as a martyr to the cause of Christ. So what do you see there? You see a fellow who fears for his life and thus denies Jesus, but later his faith is so strong that he dies for the cause of Christ. Clearly a growth of faith over that period of time. Uh, I think it's pretty obvious in the case of Peter that there was that kind of spiritual growth. And I want to argue that ours must do the same. Whatever level that you're at, wherever your faith is right now, it can't stay there. Our faith has to grow and keep on growing. And Peter, again, in 1 Peter, spoke of this in chapter 2, beginning verse 2. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up unto salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. We often apply this passage to new Christians, to what those what we refer to often as babes in Christ. That's certainly applicable to them. But I don't think that this passage is exclusively addressed to those who are new uh, Christians. I think it applies to us all. This word, if... In some translations, the word is translated as since. Since, indeed, you have tasted the Lord is good. That's you, right? That's me. Those of us who are already Christians, maybe have been Christians for a long, long time. We've tasted that the Lord is good. So what he's saying here is applicable to us who have been Christians for a long time, as well as those who have been Christians for just a short time. Your faith needs to grow. It needs to grow initially. But it needs to keep on constantly growing. This growth happens by, for one important way, by exposure to the Word. Our faith grows by exposure to the Word. Notice here in 1 Peter chapter 2, he talks about the pure spiritual milk. And that's actually defined a little more clearly in the King James Version when it's called the sincere milk of the Word. Uh, and so the exposure to the Word is the method by which we can get our faith to grow. It's one of the reasons why we place so much emphasis on studying the Bible. We do it collectively when we come together for periods of Bible study. We urge everyone to do it on their own, privately, in, in, in your homes, when you're alone, when you're thinking about God studying from the Scriptures. It's very important to be exposed to the Word. Our faith grows by it. Faith cometh by hearing. Hearing by the Word of God, Romans 10, verse 17 says. And so... Peter tells us, you got your faith's got to grow. His did, and he tells us that ours needs to grow too. It's one of the lessons we learned from him, a fellow who manifested that real extreme growth of faith, and we need to imitate him in that. Peter says, you've got to be ready to defend your hope. One of the most often referenced passages in First Peter is First Peter chapter three. Braden read this for us just a few moments ago. Let's read it again. First Peter three, beginning verse thirteen. Who is he that will harm you if you be followers of that which is good? But and if you suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are ye, and be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man. 
that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. I want to come back to this passage in just a minute and look at it a little more thoroughly. Uh, but before we do that, uh, observe Peter's case. Again, we're trying to learn from Peter's experiences, so we don't have to experience the same thing. In the case of Peter, he was not ready. Look at, uh, look at Matthew 26. Matthew 26, beginning verse 69. Now Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard. Jesus had been arrested. He's on trial, you remember. And Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard. And a servant girl came up to him and said, You also were with Jesus the Galilean. But he denied it before them all, saying, I do not know what you mean. And when he went out to the entrance, another servant girl saw him. And she said to the bystanders, This man was with Jesus of Nazareth. And again he denied with an oath, I do not know the man. After a little while, the bystanders came up and said to Peter, Certainly you too are one of them, for your accent betrays you. Then he began to invoke a curse on himself and to swear, I do not know the man. And immediately the rooster crowed. And Peter remembered the saying of Jesus, Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. So what are you going to observe about Peter right here? What about his readiness to defend his hope? He, he certainly failed. I, I think you'd have to agree that he was not ready. At that instance, when, when these different ones came up to him and said, you, you were with Jesus, you're a disciple of Jesus, you're a Galilean, we can tell by the accent that you have. And he, he wanted to deny all that. He absolutely was not ready to make a defense. Now again, we mentioned just a minute ago that Peter's faith really grew. I want you to contrast what we just read where he repeatedly denied that he even knew Jesus. I want to contrast that with something that happened not all that long later in Acts chapter 5. Now this is, of course, after the crucifixion and resurrection. This is after the day of Pentecost. But not long after the day of Pentecost, by the way. Acts chapter 5, beginning verse 27. And when they... Now, I want you to remember that the they here is the Jewish council. This is the same group of men that had demanded Pilate crucify Jesus. These are powerful people. They can do you tremendous harm. They can put, they can have you put to death. And when they had brought the apostles, they set them before the council, and the high priest questioned him, saying, We strictly charged you not to teach in this name, yet, you're, yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than men. Now, the other apostles are mentioned. Peter is specified. And in answer to this powerful Jewish council, they said, we must obey God rather than men. Now, again, I want to point out that contrast in Peter's life. When Jesus was on trial, three repeated times, he denied that he even knew Jesus. He absolutely was not ready. But not long after that, his faith had grown. We already talked about you've got to have your faith growing. And not long after that, he was ready to the point that you can tell us, he could say to that Jewish council, you can tell us whatever you want to tell us, but we must obey God rather than men. I think you would argue with me that Peter was ready. He was really ready at that point. All right, now go back with me to this text. You know this text very well. Uh, we especially uh, emphasizing verse 15. Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. Be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you, a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Uh, let, let's just go through that just briefly. The word answer here 
uh, in the original language is the word apologia. It's the word from which we get apologetics. And I think most of us are familiar with the study of apologetics. The study of apologetics is the study of the evidence for our faith. And so we are supposed to give an apology. Now that seems kind of funny because when we use that English word apology, we usually think that it means tell people you're sorry. Tell people you're sorry. No, that's not what this means. The word apologia means a speech uh, or an explanation given in defense. And so when we're to give an answer or this is actually saying be ready to defend your faith. Explain why. Give the reasons. Produce the evidence like an attorney would do in a court of law. An apologist is one who makes a defense. And we're supposed to be ready to give a defense when our faith is challenged or questioned. When someone asks us why we have the hope that is in us. The word ask here, I understand the word that is translated asked here is a word that suggests or implies an informal uh, or spontaneous setting as opposed to uh, a formal or official inquiry. And so the idea asketh is someone would just on, on the spur of the moment uh, make a request. Why do you believe? You're a Christian. Why are you a Christian? You say you have a hope of going to heaven. Why do you have that hope? Uh, that, that might happen at any time. It's, it's not that you would necessarily be called before a, a courtroom to make this defense. This is talking about what might just happen in any everyday conversation. And someone might ask you. Now, that being the case, you know, if I was going to be called before a formal inquiry board, I'd, I'd prepare. I might, have, I might have printed out sheets of paper uh, listing the things I want to say. You know, I'd prepare for that formal inquiry. But this is saying be ready even in an informal setting when someone asks you. Now, that being the case, I won't have time to make it a, a, a specific preparation for that episode. Therefore, I need to be ready all the time. Because who knows when someone might ask me about the reason for the hope that is in me. He says, be ready always. And we might also emphasize to every man as well. Be ready always to give an answer to every man. And that makes this uh, uh, a general an unending requirement. Be ready for whenever it might happen. Always be ready. Give an answer to every man. And then it stresses the attitude that we ought to possess when we do that with meekness and fear. Uh, Certainly we're not arrogant about what we believe or why we believe it. We are respectful of man and God. Our attitudes are important, but we need to do this. We need to be prepared to do so. So that's a famous statement from Peter. And remember, in the case of Peter, we again have him making a terrible error in that regard. He was not ready initially. Later, he became very ready. But he says, you need to be ready. Learn from my mistakes. You might get, if we were just going to sort of paraphrase Peter, we might say, learn from my mistakes. Be ready. Your faith is going to be tested. You've got to keep growing. And somebody's going to ask you why. And you be ready to tell them why. Peter would certainly tell us there's an important need to be humble. Strive to be humble. Notice what he wrote in 1 Peter chapter 5, beginning verse 5. Be clothed with humility 
For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. I believe that Peter's case would certainly be one in which he learned that pride can cause huge issues. I want you to go to Mark's account when Jesus was predicting Peter's denial. Now, the one we read earlier was in Luke. This is the parallel account in Mark 14. In Mark 14, beginning verse 27, Jesus said to them, All ye shall be offended because of me this night, for it is written, I will smite the shepherd and the sheep shall be scattered. But Peter said unto him, Although all shall be offended, yet not, yet I, yet will I, not I. And Jesus saith unto him, Verily I say unto thee, that this day, even in this night, before the cock crow twice, thou shalt deny me thrice. But he spake the more vehemently. If I should die with thee, I will not deny thee in any wise. Likewise also said they all. Uh, notice, everybody else might be offended, but not me. Jesus, it won't happen with me. And then he, he spake the more vehemently. If I should die with thee, I will not deny thee in any wise. How, would you agree with me if you were going to analyze what he says there? Would you agree that what we got is a case of a fellow not just overconfident. He was clearly overconfident. But I think we would have to attach that unbecoming characteristic of pride to what Peter is saying. In, in his overconfidence, he pridefully announces, Every, all these other guys... Now, it might well happen with all these other guys, but I'm telling you, it won't happen with me. It will never happen. I'd die before I ever deny you. Uh, that's what he said, but it's not what he did, right? And so his overconfidence and pride, his lack of humility, of course, brought him down. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 18 says, Pride goeth before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12 Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed that he does not fall. I'm going to tell you, Peter was definitely in this category. He was one who thinks he stands. He thought he was absolutely there. He was all that he needed to be. And the warning of this verse was applicable in his case would be applicable in ours. Be careful. Let him who thinks he stands take heed that he does not fall. Learn the lesson. And be on guard against arrogance and pride. In the case of Peter, he learned that lesson. Sadly, we can learn from his mistake and not have to repeat it in our own case. Strive to be humble. And then let me suggest to you that we constantly have to be aware of the devil. Again, we're looking to the epistle of 1 Peter. I hope you've noticed a thread as we've gone through the sermon. That all of these statements from Peter come from 1 Peter. And I think he was doing what Jesus called upon him to do. Strengthen thy brethren. Learn from my mistakes, Peter saying. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil is a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour, whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. I want to tell you something. Peter spoke about a roaring lion. He spoke about that by experience. Now, let me just state a, a point of clarification here. We believe everything that Peter wrote in First Peter was inspired. The Holy Spirit was inspiring him to write these words. But it's clear that 
these things relate to his own experience as well. So he's not just writing from human experience. If that was the case, if this was just his own opinion and human experience, we could discount it. These are the inspired words of God. But it certainly plays upon the experience that Peter himself had actually endured. And he endured this roaring lion. He, he knew, he could speak from experience about this roaring lion. And the need to be on guard against the lion. Again, this is a passage from 1 Peter that we very often reference. And you need to try to imagine that picture in your mind. You know, in, in our day and time, we've had the advantage of photography and, and videos and you've seen this. I mean, you've seen lions stalking uh, their prey and how they are, are uh, often very successful in killing and maiming. You can picture a roaring lion walking about seeking whom he might devour. That's, that's the picture we need to have of Satan and how he seeks to destroy us. Peter had been there. Peter had experienced that. Go back with me to the initial text that Braden read at the start of our service and we had on the screen there initially. In Luke 22, beginning verse 31, the Lord said to Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. I just want to draw your attention to that expression out of this passage here. What did Satan want? He wanted Peter. Satan hath desired to have you, Peter. All right, now, what application would you make of that? Greg, Satan desires to have you. Gordon, Satan desires to have you. Clayton, Satan desires to have you. We could say that to every accountable person in this room, could we not? That's what Satan wants. Satan desires to have you. And he is working tirelessly to accomplish that. Satan, did, that's, what he's, that's what he's working for. That's what he desires. Now, that being the case, let me ask you this. If you knew that there was a vicious, wild lion prowling around just outside the doors of, of our building this morning, would you just haphazardly wander out there? I'd say, absolutely not. Absolutely not. I'm going to get some of these guys who've got guns, and I'm going to send them out there first, see if they can kill that lion before I go out there. I'm not going out there. We got a real lion on our hands. Satan is a real lion. He desires to have you. Tom, Satan desires to have you. Brent, Satan desires to have you. Put your name in there. Satan desires to have you. He's a roaring lion walking about seeking whom he may devour. So we need to be aware. And Peter would tell us constantly be aware of the devil. He's a real enemy. Peter learned it by experience. He wrote about it by inspiration. It's a lesson that we need to learn. All right. So your faith is going to be tested. You've got to keep growing. You've got to be ready to defend your hope. You need to always be humble and be aware of Satan as a true spiritual enemy. I think the epistle of 1 Peter is a sort of summary of things that you could relate to the life of Peter himself. And remember that Jesus had given him a specific assignment. When thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. And I believe that Peter spent his life doing that. And th that would have been indicative of all his efforts. I think it was included in this inspired epistle. It was one of the ways by which Peter was able to accomplish 
the assignment that God had given to him. Now, remember that quote we started out with? Smart people learn from their mistakes. Smarter people learn from the mistakes of others. Are you smart enough to learn the lessons that Peter advises us about by inspiration and First Peter? They're important lessons. And although almost 2,000 years have expired since Peter wrote those words, they're still applicable to our day and time. First Peter 5, verse 12. I have written briefly to you, he said, exhorting and declaring that this is the true grace of God. Stand firm in it. And so Peter said, I've written for these reasons, these purposes. Stand firm. That's his admonition to us today. Thanks for listening. Hope that these words of encouragement from Peter will be helpful to us all. Our lesson this morning has been primarily directed to those of us who are already Christians with lessons to learn from the great apostle Peter. Does anything strike close to home? Anything that he said maybe cause you to consider your own relationship with God? If it is the fact that you are a child of God, but you realize that you haven't been faithful to him, we beg you to come back in repentance, confession, and prayer. If you're not yet a Christian, become one by obeying that simple gospel plan of salvation. Hear, believe, repent, confess, and be baptized. If we can help in any way, let us know while we stand.